everybody, and welcome to New Consciousness Review. I'm Miriam Knight, and our guest today is Diane Collins, the author of the highly acclaimed new book, Do You Quantum Think? New Thinking That Will Rock Your World. A former Fortune 100 corporate manager, Diane is a much sought-after speaker and consultant to business executives and entrepreneurs around the world. She has an extraordinary gift of originality and the ability to express complex universal subjects in clear and powerful ways that people can instantly resonate with. Her quantum think system is an original synthesis of knowledge based in the principles of quantum science and universal laws applied as practical wisdom in all areas of life. Diane has degrees in philosophy and psychology and is a lifelong student of numerous leading edge modalities and models that make life better and more joyful. Diane, I am so delighted to have you with us today. Welcome. Thank you so much, Miriam. It's my pleasure, completely. (laughs) Diane, you have taken an incredibly wide range of philosophies about how the world works, from ancient to ultra-modern, and woven them together into a coherent body of integrated wisdom that actually makes sense. I'm frankly amazed at the scope of your book. How did you come to develop Quantum Think? I think it started uh, way back when. I'll try to make this story, uh, you know, in Quantum Leap style. When I was about four, literally, uh, I started to question what is existence. I looked at myself at that point as an object, and I, and I really was born to question, I think. And I know, in fact, that... You know, this really has to do with my soul's purpose. So as I reached teenage, I really started to read a lot of philosophy and Eastern philosophy because it was about the time of the Vietnam War. And I remember reading an article uh, by one of the soldiers who had returned, and it just penetrated me to such a degree that I thought there's something wrong with this picture, that we're in this incredibly beautiful, magnificent universe, a wonderful planet. Uh, It seemed to me at the time that we could choose what we wanted and what we didn't want as people, as a humanity. And yet we had an entire industry built around mass-producing weaponry to kill one another in mass and then justifying it by calling it, you know, well, we have to protect ourselves. I'm not saying we don't, but it just seemed to me at a, at a level of consciousness that there was a disconnect here between who we could become as a humanity and who we were actually playing out to be, really from the beginning of time, as you know, Miriam, that there's always been conflict and uh, that warlike expression going on, or at least as far as we know in historical records. So to me at the time, as a teenager, I thought, how could I possibly make a difference in the world? And, you know, when you're that age, you start to think, well, how can I make a difference in the world in general? Mm -hmm. And then it occurred to me 
that what I did have complete jurisdiction over was the ability to evolve my own state, my own awareness, my own consciousness. And that's really where it began. And uh, as I went along, I, you know, I don't want to get too much into the detail of it, but I really had a dream that sometime I would be able to produce a television series because I love entertainment mm -hmm. so, and media. <laughs> I love being here with you and your listeners. So I had this dream to produce a television series that would transform consciousness as you watch, that would awaken awareness, that would shake us free of the kind of conditioning that it seemed we were all subjected to at that point. And so I, I just kept going and, you know, one thing lead, led to another and I studied philosophy in school and then I had a double major in psychology and at the time they didn't have consciousness studies per se. So that was about the closest I could get to it, although I knew that wasn't it either. And then what happened is I came across Fritjof Kapra's book, The Tao of Physics. Oh. And for me, that was, you know, I had already been studying uh, the yogic traditions and, and the Vedanta uh, literature. So when I came across the Tao of Physics, it seemed to me, wow, this is how you could get across to people is because science had become a kind of God in our culture that if you could start to relate the wisdom, the universal wisdom through the lens of science, that it could include more people and to do it in an entertaining way. So eventually... <laughs> And then, as you as you said in in uh, the very kind introduction that you gave of me, somehow I I ended up working in a corporation and in management. And so now that I look at it from a quantum think perspective, and quantum think is a system of principles of distinctions in new thinking, 21 plus 1, as I call them, that put this all together, you know, like how do you put it all together, being able to think from quantum principles, being able to think from spiritual wisdom, being able to apply it in a practical way. Well, one of the distinctions called the holo movement of purpose had me eventually see that all of these different life occurrences, when you view them like a novel, like a great novel that everyone's life is, as one whole story with nothing missing and nothing left out, what I started to glean was that I was trained by infinite intelligence, as we all are, like that little tap on the shoulder, here, go here, philosophy, here, go here, corporate experience, here, go here, go there, science, spirituality, and started to see that everything that I was led to do 
that was like a soul's journey enabled me to put the whole system together so mm -hmm. that other people can read the book and grasp, not just understand it, not just know it, because all the wisdom is available, as you know, everywhere, as I say, you know, and that was how I ended up. The main question was, with all the wisdom available, 6,000 years or plus, more of it, at the touch of a smartphone, how is it we're still not living it? And that is really what led me to develop the system. Wow. Diane, you have to take a breath every so often so I can come in. I know. <laughs> it was a big question. So. <laughs> right. Let me oh. sit relax. You, you remind me of, of a couple of things. One, one is a, a phrase I heard once that um, anyone who is not a communist before age 20 has no heart. And everyone who is a communist after age 20 has no brain. <laughs> It's like uh, we all have to go through this evolution of spirit. And I, I just loved what you said about everything that happens in your life is part of the development of the human being you are. And, it, and when you get the right perspective, you can see how it all fits in. That's what I love so much about your book. It it kind of keeps on coming around in spirals and each iteration of the concepts that you bring uh, forces it in deeper and connects it more and more to your own experience. So tell us, maybe if you can, just on the, the tip of a spoon, what are the essential principles of quantum thinking? Well, the essential principles are... And really, it's important for me to say that my great, what I call the revelation, the discovery is, you know, because one of the things I realized as, as we all, anyone interested in new consciousness, I'm sure, comes across as you think, so you become. Your predominant patterns of thinking shape your experience and the, uh, the actions that derive from them, including speech actions, you know, listening, speaking actions, as well as physical actions and decisions. So what my revelation was that we imagine we think freely, that we all like to think of ourselves as independent thinkers, you know, I can think my own thoughts. And that was really where I was able to answer the question how come with all the wisdom we're still not living it, is that I put forth this idea that we are conditioned by the overarching worldview in the way that we think. So that we're in a quantum age, yet we're still very much conditioned by the industrial age worldview. Well, what's the difference? As you say, what are the, on the tip of the spoon, principles? The main difference that made truly the quantum leap from the classical way of thinking to the quantum way of thinking that has given us all of our technology that's so wonderful today is that it's a mind-based reality rather than what was previously thought 
as a physical matter-based reality. Because the original rational science the that gave us the industrial age, the world of machines, that's how the scientists, they said, only physical matter counts, so to speak. It's only, that's the only thing that's real, even though many of them were spiritual themselves. But they didn't actually look at how does the universe work in terms of spirituality, in terms of subtle energy fields? Well, eventually they did get to it. But the idea is that what shaped our thinking is that what we can glean with our ordinary five senses. So to get to the quantum worldview is an all-encompassing worldview that says nothing is fixed in solid when you look under a high-powered microscope, and that the observer, meaning you and me, is always shaping what we see. So what was the previous view was we're like, you know, we're separate from each other. That's how we look in the physical dimension of life. And that still looks that, you know, that still has a reality to it. And we're separate from everything else. And in order to get something to change or, you know, a person to change, a circumstance to change in the world, we have to push, quote, push and pull on an object to get it to move. Well, the flip around is from a quantum view, we are the observers. What we bring to, well, I say, what you bring is what you get. We, our own consciousness, is always affecting what we see. We're the ones shaping our experience 100% of the time. So to quantum think, what is it about? It's about doing it consciously, being aware of it, so that something's always getting created. Your experience is always getting created, right? So it's either the past set of what I call the default reality, the surrounding cultural beliefs and ideas and conclusions, even your own, is either that's shaping your experience and what the outcomes of that come from your experience, or you're shaping it consciously. So that's really how it works. So what do you have to know? You have to know, you know, mind is the basis of reality. Everything is context dependent, meaning what you bring is what you get, the context you bring, that we exist in fields of awareness, of energy, of intelligence, that we're in a constant exchange of energy and intelligence according to our own intent, what we hold in our conscious awareness. And that, as I like to say, we think in a system. So to become aware of what's shaping the system and the limits of each system, that gives you actual choice in your thinking. Where your thinking has become automatic and mechanical, we're not actually a choice. Wow. These are the principles. So as the ending up principle, as I like to say, is when you master your mind, that is your own conscious awareness, and learn these principles that are that are in my book, you know, put it all together to give it, you know, let's, okay, this is it. When you learn the faculties of mind and how that works, then what happens is life becomes 
the, I mean, it already is a miracle. It already is wondrous. But it becomes where you, in an uncertain world as we have today, in a world that's speeding up beyond belief, that you start to get in touch with your own center so the certainty can come from within you. Well, I, I want to explore this more deeply, but we're going to need to take a short break now, and then we'll be right back with our guest, Diane Collins. Albert Einstein said, I believe in intuition and inspiration. Imagination is more important than knowledge, for knowledge is limited, whereas imagination embraces the entire world, stimulating progress, giving birth to evolution. New Consciousness Review is all about the media of inspiration and trusting your intuition. Join us at ncreview.com. Your partner in conscious evolution. And we're back with Diane Collins discussing her book, Do You Quantum Think? Diane, from what you were saying, it, it's very understandable to me that top executives and everything and uh, left-brained people would resonate with what you're saying because it starts from uh, the scientific viewpoint that top physicists from Einstein onward um, have been uh, describing. I mean, this is, this is real. This is not just um, spiritual mumbo-jumbo. Exactly. So, um, what what do you think is is the the crux of the shift from um, the the old consciousness to the new consciousness? You mean what, in terms of what what our our clients experience, or or no? What, what switch? What switch do we have to turn in our own thinking? to make that leap from old to new consciousness, what you call the quantum thinking? Well, to me, it's doing it as a system, a, a system jump. In, you know, it's a literal, I don't even call it a virtual, it's a literal quantum leap in consciousness because if you're, when you look at, well, okay, the worldview, you know, shapes what we even are able to think. And I always use the term as an example, the term quantum leap, that that term and uh, my dear friend and, and mentor in quantum physics, Dr. Fred Allen Wolf, who wrote the foreword to my book, uh, he and I were in a conversation years ago and he said, uh, this, the discoveries of science, okay, science makes discoveries, they invent new language, and then that term comes into our language and into our thinking through, and then eventually into the culture. So quantum leap, because it's such a familiar term now, but 
literally that came into the language around the year 1927, as far as I could research, when Max Planck and other uh, quantum physicists discovered that energy did not move in a smooth, continuous way, that it moved in packets that he called quanta in these leaps, you know, these packet leaps. And it was discontinuous. So when you look at, okay, we couldn't really think about a quantum leap before it came into our language, right? In that way, it was distinguished. And now it becomes an everyday, you know, colloquial terminology that we use very much to say something discontinuous with the past. Something, a quantum leap, has no traceable pathway. It's like a change of state. One minute, you know, you're looking for the love of your life. My husband loves to use this example as a quantum leap in state. And, you know, one minute you're just on, you know, looking and looking and wondering, are you ever going to find the love of your life, the one, your soulmate? And then in one minute you meet that person and then you have a literal state change and your whole life shifts so it's something like that. So what my discovery was from that is that it's not just one term. It's the whole system. So when you say, how do we make that leap? And I think that's an excellent question you're asking, Miriam, because, you know, I've listened over the years uh, to so, so many conferences and teleseminars and, you know, really great, brilliant the kind of uh, interviews that you do with just <laughs> your work is incredibly, you know, brilliant and so important now. And I love that you actually make the distinction, new consciousness, which is shaping everything. You're naming it. You know, there's another example of what I'm talking about, like quantum leap. You're naming it and you're using it. But as I listen to that, always at the end, they'd have a Q&A. Uh, with the listeners and the participating uh, people. And people, I noticed, had always that question. Well, how do I do it? You know, they would watch the film, What the Bleep Do We Know? or The Secret. Well, how do I do it? And so to me, and I think this is really, you know, has been so far <laughs> in my life, my purpose is to create this work, quantum thing, and the book, in such a way that people are able to distinguish that, oh, this is how our whole, not just individually, but as a culture, they conditioned to think according to circumstance rules, as I say for the kids, when really intent rules, that's the quantum worldview, and to be able to distinguish the system and make the leap so that you start thinking and living from the full set of quantum principles, the whole system. And you see, once you start thinking this way, it's all integrated, rather than trying to take each principle one by one from the perspective of your current worldview, meaning the way that we've all in, 
especially in the Western world, and even in the East, where they do think more holistically. But, you know, they're subject to it, too. I get letters from all over the world saying what a difference this has made, that they've, you know, been been meditating for years. They've been, you know, knowing Eastern philosophical principles and Buddhism and, and, and Taoism and the rest of it. And yet, when it's put together as a system and you see... How does this show up, not philosophically, but how do I get better results in my business? How do I improve the quality of my listening and my relationships so that I'm not stuck in judgment in this and that? So it's a, it's a long answer, but, the, yeah. but, but the, the crux of the answer, Miriam, is... It's making that system, systemic leap in the way that you think, in the framework. So it's not just a bunch of new ideas. It's a literal new basis for your thinking, a new framework. And this is what's making the difference. You mentioned uh, your friend Fred Allen Wolf, and I remember from <clears throat> both his, his book and he had a, a, a DVD out where he talks about... Um, the possibility of a particular stream of electrons appearing as either a continuous wave or as discrete particles. And it is very, as you say, influenced by the observer. Now, one of the things that you talk about in your book is going from an either-or set of thinking to a both-and set of thinking, that when you move to both and, it totally expands your your view of the possibilities in the world. And that's one of the ideas I found so powerful. Well, I am so loving that you brought this up, really, because I was talking to uh, my husband, Alan, who is also my business partner. He's a master at uh, coaching and consulting and quantum thinking. He's a master coach just by, you know, <laughs> by birthright. That's his gift. And I was talking with him about this, this conversation that we'd be having. And I said, I really want to talk about going from either or to both end because of this. And when you look right now uh, at the time of this conversation that we're having and we see the Occupy War Wall Street, for example, uh-huh. going on. And so even this is an example of where there are people with the best of intentions, right, to have the world work better. And especially, you know, for themselves and a big group of people. Yet, they're still stuck in either or thinking because in order for us as a humanity to get to real solutions, new solutions. You know, we are in a time of evolution where all these systems and structures have reached their limit of effectiveness, more or less, because Mm -hmm. of this old world either-or thinking. So, you know, either liberal or conservative, either this or that. It's all an aspect of where we need to get this transcendence. 
So even when you look at this 99%, as long as you are for the 99 and against the one, you are in an either-or conversation. And I have the opportunity at times to, uh, in fact, I'm going to be doing this this evening, <clears throat> of meeting some Congress people. And I have an interest in politics for this reason. Because it's going to take, there, there hasn't been, at least I've never heard one yet, a politician in the mainstream of politics. And I'm not familiar with every country. I'm not just speaking for the United States where I live. But I would say map this on in your own country where you have a two-party system or, you know, let's not even get into dictatorship, but where who is speaking that's so oriented toward the either or, it forces you into the vortex of that position, of whatever party, whatever side you're on. So you don't even have... Uh, the, uh, it's almost like you, there's no opportunity for independent, really holistic, looking for the whole from the whole. That would be quantum thinking. So yeah. that we're thinking, okay, well, let's say we have economic class, right? We have economic classes at the moment. This is real circumstance. How do we have it work for the lower economic, the middle, and the upper there aren't any politicians, as far as I know, speaking that way. But even though these kind of demonstrations or, you know, the side taking that happens in the media, in the pundits, it still is conditioned by this old world either or thinking. And that's why I'm so glad you brought this up, because how did you see it, Miriam, about really being able to go to a both-end view. Why can, how can we have it work for the rich, the middle, and the less uh, privileged? Well, I, I think you said the magic word, which was holistic thinking. I loved in your book that you brought up my very favorite parable in the universe, which is the blind men and the elephant. Mm, right. It is... It is so relevant to what divides us because we're each looking at the world scene from a very, very limited perspective. And in order to um, have a hope of bridging these perspectives, we have to move out to a wider view. And as you say, look for solutions that will help everybody, that will help grow the whole instead of of having a zero-sum game where it's always for the benefit of one side or the other. Exactly. And, you know, there's something I want to bring up here that I think is, for me, uh, one of the most important aspects of quantum think thinking and my book and my work is that I'm kind of, I'm, you know, Part of the either or is to say, oh, my God, there's something wrong with us. Why haven't we been this conscious? You know, what I'm saying is when you see that we were conditioned, we have been conditioned 
by a worldview that by its nature, it was like, you know, it was a great worldview. The industry that literally called the classical mechanical worldview. And, you know, it, you could think about it, you know, scientists were sitting around, they wanted to, uh, how I think about it is like, let's get things organized on this kind of, you know, somewhat chaotic planet here. And they were able to use, you know, analyze if we could, okay, here's the universe. It's like a machine. If we can identify the parts, analyze what they're made of, figure out how they work together in a cause and effect way, we could predict and control everything. So when you, when you realize, and it was kind of, I, I putting out forth, at, we projected that worldview at that point in our evolutionary cycle as a humanity, because that's what we needed at that point. Now we need to go beyond it. So when we think, from my point of view, and I asked the question in my book, if you remember right at the beginning, what if there's nothing wrong with us? This is what I'm referring to, and I said I wanted to bring up this important point. What if we're simply been conditioned by an old world view that gave us this, you know, only the physical was real. So we became divisive. We became either orish and we were, you know, didn't see the totality of things. We don't relate to the earth because it looks separate. We, you know, relate to what's out there as objects separate from us. So we don't relate to the earth as a living being, the entity that actually hosts our life and see all the interconnections. Uh, everything is alive and alive with consciousness. Mm -hmm. Well, it's what if it's, it's not, and what I'm saying is I'm letting everyone off the hook for let's not make ourselves wrong. Let's just recognize that, oh, we just have some habits of thinking that are no longer relevant for the most part for having, you know, a great world and world, great life. Mm -hmm. And in many instances are based on information that has been overturned by science. Mm -hmm. So we can, we can just, I call, I use the term from science, least action pathway. When we have a thought, you know, most of the thoughts, Miriam, they're not even ours. They're just <laughs> through, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. They're passing through your head. You can't call that a If you have a negative judgment about someone, it's not like you would, if you were at choice, you wouldn't choose to judge that person, would you? So it's okay. not that you can stop your judgments or stop the kind of doubtful thoughts or fearful thoughts that you might have about your life. What we can do is create a new relationship to them so that we can see them as just least action pathways, the way the energy goes, because it's been that route before. Diane, you were talking about the... <clears throat> The, the least effort pathway. And I wanted to focus on the power of intent. You go, girl. <laughs> okay, where are we going? Okay, well, the power of intent, I make a distinction in quantum thinking between intent and intention. Now, these terms are pretty much 
used interchangeably. However, when you start to think from, you know, a system, a new world, this emerging new world, quantum worldview, and you realize that we are, you know, we're traveling in fields, this field of intelligence, awareness, consciousness, all of the above, that the intent is what we are basically holding in, I like the term that Seth used, a feeling tone of our being. So intent in the way that I'm saying it is intent is the active dynamic of creating for human beings. I mean, we've been born with the power to create. So I say, did we create the moon? Well, maybe not, but we can create our relationship to the moon. So uh, what the power of intent is really what's going on all the time. So as I said earlier, we can create from a conscious awareness of the intent or not. So when we find, for example, that you're going into a business meeting and you think it's going to be difficult to deal with this person, let's call her Josephine, and you think Josephine isn't going to like what you're going to offer and you're not sure how this meeting is going to come out, even though you want to do a business deal with Josephine. So you're going in, what you're holding in your intent field is an unaware intent of all that that I just said, because it's always a network of thoughts. But when you can see that going on, what I call the least action pathway, thoughts. You say, wait a minute, those are not real. They're not absolute. I forgot to mention that the, the main thing about the quantum worldview is there for human beings, I'm not talking about divine source, but for human beings, there are no absolute way that anything is, that a person is, a situation is. That's the good news because that means we can shape it how we want it. And so, in an Exactly. Instant. This is all instantaneously. This is quantum leap style because you catch yourself in the thought as you're driving to this meeting and you realize those thoughts are not absolute. They're not the truth. They're just thoughts. They're just least action pathways. Let me interrupt those and let me create my intent for how I want the field of our relationship to be in this meeting. How do I want it to be? I want her to be excited about what I'm, you know, and it's not a manipulation. It's a literal creation from intent. Mm -hmm. We're both excited to connect. We're excited about the possibility of this venture together. And this meeting moves everything forward and it's just going. And then that's, see, that's intent as distinct from intention, which is a, could be defined as a course of action for a future result someday. But when you have an intent that we're respectful with each other, we're excited about the possibilities, that intent brings up, attracts to it many results, not one future someday maybe result, but many results 
that are being connected through this field of intelligence. So there are many connections that are being made by virtue of your intent. Hmm. So it's, it's much more open-ended, much wider and... and- That's right. It's exactly wider. And then there is the principle of allowing. Now, I call these faculties of mind that we don't learn in school. And of course, going back to the either or and the classical training, you know, the classical, uh, not training, but the way that the classical worldview, the old worldview has influenced even our educational system We don't learn about mind and consciousness yet. We will, I'm sure. But we we learn about the brain because that's physical. But we don't learn about the non-physical aspects of our own mind. So these are faculties of mind that you're bringing up, Miriam. The uh, faculty of intent, which is crucial in every creation. And then there's the faculty of allowing. So if intent is the active dynamic of creating, then allowing is the passive dynamic. But you do it, you use it consciously because once you create your intent and you realize that, as you say, it's much more open, it's more widespread, You're creating a probability wave in a field of, in a universe of infinite possibility. We're narrowing it down to a probability wave field with our intent. And then we start to attract what what is consistent with it. But we have to watch for it consciously. This is the allowing faculty. Allow for what gets generated in the field by virtue of your own intent, that you're carrying that in your resonant field of your own being. And you have to be alert to the opportunities. And then, of course, you do take a physical action. So this is what I call living fully dimensionally. You start to know, you know, learn these faculties of mind, distinguish them that way, learn the principles and how they apply very simply in everyday life. And all it is, they're practices of awareness and make it, being able to make these distinctions instantly. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You use the term, <clears throat> excuse me, non-local mind. Um, how is that related? Well, non-local mind is actually what I've just been talking about. And that term uh, comes, I think, (laughs) it was originally used by Dr. Larry Dossie, who you, I don't know whether you've ever interviewed him. Yes, I have. Yeah. So he, as you know, is a physician who is uh, really teaching the medical industry the influence of intent, right, or he calls the power of prayer and healing, the influence of the intent of the physician or the nurse or medical practitioner on the patient and on the healing process. So he, uh, because in quantum physicists, they, can, they said we live in a non-local universe. It's, there, there is non-locality to the... Et- It means 
that this field of intelligence, mind, is not located anywhere in the sense that an ordinary physical object of, you know, more density, so we call, that's how we relate perceptually to the physical, that mind is not located like a physical object in time and space. Mm -hmm. It doesn't have any restrictions. And therefore, mind can, can, quote, go anywhere. To me, it doesn't actually go, travel. It's it just may, is able to connect anywhere, which is why, for example, they're proving uh, remote. So this is known okay, as okay. non-local mind. Mm-hmm. The mind is non-local. In, it's not local. It doesn't end at the edge of your brain. It's not synonymous with your brain. The mind so, doesn't end so at the edge. Are, are we connected? So is this like the universal mind? Are we connected in, plugged into this field of infinite um, thought and possibility? Yes, that's it. And, you know, the, the metaphor of the Internet is really perfect because, and I, you know, when you get to Chapter 17, Part 2, <laughs> Conscious Evolution, and, you know, I'm saying we project all these things from our own being, and then we look in the world, what did we objectify out there and then learn from it? So, you know, the legs become a wheel, become a car, become a jet, become a spaceship. And so we're looking at the Internet, and you realize you're, if you're online, right, you're always online. Now it's a question of what are you going to plug into? What are you going to click into? And the Internet is this infinity Field of infinite possibility. Absolutely. It's this field of infinite possibility, as I say, the good, the bad, the ugly, and the sublime, you know, of everything that we could come up with. Mm -hmm. And it's always going, and that's the and in the both and, right? Mm -hmm. There's always more. You know, it's both the particle and the wave and whatever else gets discovered. So we, yes. And so through this non-local mind, and we can say that intuition is the access, is the portal to the non-local mind. Because the intuition, when you get, you know, that's when you listen in this way, when you get to that silent place inside, you can tune in. That's why remote viewing works. People can see things. What does something look like in a building across the world? Because of non-local mind. So we have these different faculties and actually they're very simple to use once we learn what they are. The power of intent, the power of meditation. I look at that as a faculty. I, I just like to point out that in uh, Diane's book, um, after each chapter you give what you call recreations or recreations. They're, they're little exercises to uh, anchor what you've been talking about and there is so much in the book I, I you know can't believe begin to encompass it so um, I just commend it to our readers oh wow Diane um, you have a, an offer on your website um, something about the ultimate study group 
Yes, I do. And one thing I want to say about the book, you know, I was thinking about, <laughs> don't, you know, uh, you know, the old saying, don't judge a book by its cover, you know, don't judge a book by its size, because I, I wrote the book in a conversational, you know, me to you style <laughs> to make it easy and fun and entertaining to read. So I hope you got that too from it. Yeah. And, uh, Yes, the ultimate study group is something that my partner and husband, Alan, and I conduct twice a month by teleconference, and it's free. And it's for readers of the book, Do You Quantum Think? New Thinking That Will Rock Your World. And it's so, and you know, it's for the purpose of eat, of getting into and sharing just getting more deeply into these principles and seeing how they actually get applied in life by readers who are quantum thinking, who love it, who are realizing so many differences in their life and this kind of quantum leap, instantaneous, feeling just better, more confident about everything, really getting results. And so it's fun to share with everyone. And it's a way of... As you said, there are practices for the mind and awareness. So what and happened when you what, what is the URL? Where do people go to find it? Uh, the URL is www.dianecollins.com, and it's Diane with two N's, D-I-N-N-E, Collins, C-O-L-L-I, N is in Nancy, S is in Sam, dot com. And you click on join our mailing list and you will be invited. And even if you cannot attend uh, the teleconference, we send out replays immediately and also post them on the site. Great. Great. Well, thank you. I I certainly will check it out myself. And Diane, I want to thank you so much for speaking with us today. It's been a total delight, if if, if somewhat overwhelming. (laughs) I hope not. We've been speaking with Diane Collins, author of Do You Quantum Think? I hope you'll join us next week on New Consciousness Review when my guest will be Meg Blackburn-Losey, and we'll be talking about her book, Touching the Light. If you enjoyed our show, check out our website, ncreview.com. We're going to conclude our show today with the track of the week from members of the Positive Music Association. Their music styles range from pop and rock to folk and jazz, all with positive messages designed to uplift, heal, or enlighten. This week we're featuring a song by Harold Payne called Whose Life Do You Think It Is Anyway?
Settle for a fast food restaurant A go for the sumptuous buffet Do you think it is anyway? By multi-platinum and posy award-winning songwriter Harold Payne. Harold is one of the PMA's growing group of musicians who are using music not only to entertain but to make a positive difference in people's lives and in the world. To find out more about Harold's music, go to haroldpaynemusic.com. That's H-A-R-O-L-D-P-A-Y-N-E Music. And to discover more great music or to join the PMA, go to PositiveMusicAssociation.com. I'm Miriam Knight for New Consciousness Review. Goodbye.